Welcome again, everyone, to the Two Toms Talk and Travel podcast. We are the official travel experts here in Podcast Town. And if you don't believe us, just ask the mayor. Ready to get down to business and talk some travel, Tom? And let's do it. Well, hello, hello. Two Toms Talk and Travel is back. Episode seven. Episode seven. Wow, that's crazy. Lucky seven. Yeah, we've been hitting it hard we have on been. the podcast been, trail. I'd, I'd like to think we've been somewhat informative yeah. as well, yeah. somewhere along the lines, because we just don't, well, yeah, we do do this to listen to ourselves talk. So, Oh my God, yeah, I love it. Absolutely. No. Nobody else listens to us talk. Actually, you know what? It's interesting hearing your voice on the old uh, podcast recording, but I think we're making some good progress here in the travel industry. We're going to talk about some good stuff today. Got a great show today. We got an interesting guest today. We're totally changing it up. So Plus, we're totally blind on this. We don't know where this is going to go. I know. Yeah, in the past, we've had a lot of our great supplier guests on and a lot of friends that come on and talk about their specific products or maybe their destination, whatever it might be. But today, we're going to change it up for you guys. Just and uh, specifically bring you something, for your own education. Something a little bit different. So yeah, it's going to be exciting. So yeah. we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, they'll be joining us. Yeah. Um, who's flying this plane? So yeah. literally, today might exactly. be... Exactly. That, that today is, is, the, is it. That is the namesake right there for Perfect. sure. Perfect. Perfect. So we have that and we have some other good stuff to talk about. We're going to talk about some updates on what's happening safety-wise. We're going to talk about what's happening at the airports and things like that. In the meantime, a lot going on. You've been busy, haven't you? In the meantime, sit back and relax. Yeah. Yeah. I like to call you the hardest working man in the business, the James Brown of the travel industry. Yeah. Trying to catch up with me, aren't you? Exactly. I'm trying to make you proud of me, yeah. Tom. I'm no, trying to work no. as hard you, as I can. So You got to do it. You got to get out there. We got to talk to our customers. We got to talk to consumers. We still got to educate. There's still a lot of great information to share. And I had the opportunity this past week to log on and check out your Alaska night, your virtual Alaska night show. That was pretty good. Talk about a lot of work. I'll tell you what, my yeah. team at Lamaki Traveled, uh, Nolan and Brooke, the two of them worked so hard to pull off a virtual travel night. And it was interesting because this is the way we're going to be communicating with consumers moving forward. Yeah. I mean, we used to do a lot of uh, in-house travel nights. So you get 40, 50 people in there, pump them full of wine, bunch of food, get them to sign credit card charges on the way out. You exactly. Know. Book them. No, just kidding. But this is the new way of marketing. So we were able to go virtual. And if anybody's interested in Alaska, I would suggest check out our Lamakia Travel Facebook page because it's recorded. It was about 45 minutes long and we covered the whole country of Alaska, the whole country. It's that big. I mean, the state of Alaska. You know what? Mm -hmm. Here's an interesting fact. If you were to take Alaska and lay it over the United States, it would go from North Dakota all the way to Texas it would go from Los Angeles all the way to Georgia. That's how large our one state is. Wow. A lot of people, I don't think, understand that. I don't think that. so. They don't have the geography down on that one. Exactly. And the other thing that I learned that's also a very important piece is that Alaska is the only state where all the letters in the name of the state are in the same row on the keyboard. Check it out. I guarantee <laughs> yeah. you. There you hey, go. Hey, that's a little fact. You heard that. it here, ladies and gentlemen. But I did enjoy it. And Alaska's on my bucket list. I really want to go there, whether it's on a land tour or whether it's on a cruise or both. There's so much there. I was I really enjoyed it, how you guys kind of broke it up. You had some good supplier involvement there, let, talked about all the different things that Alaska has to offer. So, And it's important because we missed the entire season this year for Alaska's. And knowing that that will be back next year or hoping that that will be back next year is very important because that's such a great destination. Yeah, a so. lot of people ask us, why'd you pick Alaska as your first virtual travel night? And there's a few factors we found right now as people are getting, as we're getting out of the lack of travel, consumers are feeling that they want to travel domestically. 
first. So no greater or more majestic or beautiful or diverse destination in the United States than Alaska. So that was the first one. And the second one is for five years, the last five years, it has been one of our fastest growing destinations. I mean, river cruises have been big, Croatia, those areas, but Alaska has continuously grown. And then the third reason is it's the fall 2020. And just like you said, 2021 is going to be here before you know it. So the prices, the deals, and the availability is out now. And as a consumer, this is when you really want to start taking a look at it. So those were the main reasons that Alaska was our first jump out of here. So Yeah, I can see it. That was a great choice. And like you said, with all the different tours that they have, just the majestic beauty of it, there's so many ways to experience it. So yeah, congrats to you. That was pretty no, awesome. Thanks. They, and I just the last thing I'll say about it is I learned a lot, obviously, besides the two little nuggets we dropped in. But I think the consumers are going to want a different experience when they come out of this. They're going to want to be more involved. They're going to want to be more authentic. I don't necessarily know we're going to see as much as the Cavalier, ugly American tourists. I think people really want to get something out of their vacations these days. And Alaska showed that you don't have to do a cruise. The cruise is great because you unpack once and you get to see all that shoreline. And then if you stay longer, you get to go to the inland. But there's a lot of people that are like, you know what? A cruise is not for me. Well, I say that maybe the major cruise line is not for consumers, but there's companies like Uncruise, which are smaller ships that get much closer in. They visit different ports than the big ships get to. It's no formal dining. Everything is all about the adventure and the experience. So that's a great product for people to think about, but also companies like Trafalgar and individual companies that are doing land only where you just fly into these cities and then you do sightseeing tours, stay a couple nights before, after, get up into Denali. There's just so many new and unique ways to see Alaska. So yep. I'm very excited about it. Absolutely. So you mentioned cruises and that is one of the major ways that people experience Alaska, but We've been keeping an eye on the cruise situation. You know, we had John Diorio from Virgin Voyages on, and we have seen now the CDC extended the cruise ban essentially until the end of October. But we're all looking at that and kind of watching that and hoping that once we get to October 31st, we can start to see that thaw because there has been a big push in our industry that these cruise lines and associations and things like that really feel like they can get it to a place where cruising is safe. And they've been working really hard to show that and really hard to prove that so that they can indeed get back to sailing. Absolutely. And it's interesting that the CDC is the only really travel type or entity or business that's being really shut down is the cruise industry. The CDC with their no sale orders have really crippled and shut it down completely. I mean, hotels are open. They're handling clients. Airlines are open. Rail. I mean, different things right now are opening, but for some reason, the negative publicity that the cruise lines got back in March with people out at sea. And again, that was when we didn't know a lot about coronavirus. So it felt they really got a bad rap. And it's been eight months, eight months for them to get their act together to be able to give you a product that's going to be safe, healthy, and get life back to a little bit more of a normal flow in travel. I will tell you, you'd mentioned it before, organizations within the travel industry are getting a little tired of it, primarily to cruise lines. But ASTA, which is the American Society of Travel Agents, is really... If CDC pushes their no-sale order past October 31st, you're going to see the organizations such as Aston, maybe even CLIA, try to sue the CDC because it's unfounded at this point. It doesn't. These cruise ships have made the changes, and we don't know how to fix them or adjust them until we get out to sea. And as you know, my personal feelings, it's not even necessarily 
if I'm going to get it, it's when I'm going to get it at this point. So we got to get back into moving. And I don't say that to not travel shame people or to be a salesperson. To tra- no, I just say that as a person that's been locked up and tied up and right. ready to go. Well, and it's such a huge industry. It's such a big part of the travel industry. And it's such a huge thing. There's millions and millions of consumers who are ardent cruisers, right? We have clients, and I'm sure you do too. You have people that have been on 10 cruises, 20 cruises, 50 cruises. It's their thing, you know, and they've done it for a long, long time and they've done it safely. So I think the opportunity to get back to cruising is really important. And we're all keeping an eye on that. So as we go forward in some of our upcoming episodes, we'll continue to give you guys an update on that. I will tell you, just I don't mean to interrupt, I will tell you this last week, I was blown away by the number of cruises my staff had booked last week. And again, I'm not talking our normal numbers when we're out of COVID or anything, but it seemed like the staff for 2021, summer and fall of 2021, Alaska, Caribbean, Europe, I was stunned at the number of cruises coming through. It made me feel good that, hey, listen, you know what? The smear campaign into cruise lines is not necessarily working. And more importantly, these are past cruisers that are that confident in the product that know that the hype and everything being blasted against cruise line is not really true. Yeah. So it was did my heart good to see people are booking cruises for next year. Yeah, well, hopefully their all their efforts will be successful because they want to get out there. There's so many amazing products and it also affects the destinations. The places where these cruises are going are very dependent on cruise traffic, the tours that are offered, people coming into the destination and shopping and getting off the ship and experiencing that is super important, you know, from an economic standpoint as well. So we definitely have to keep that in mind because the cruise lines contribute a significant amount economically in, in more ways than correct, one. So, correct, correct. so yeah, so we did want to share that. Yeah, it seems like the beach and uh, warm destination conversation that we're having with cruises right now uh, normally brings us back to the areas of Mexico and the Gulf right now. And it mm-hmm. uh, seems like we got a little weather we pattern do, happening yeah, as we the, speak yeah. down there. Yeah, it's we got some swirling going on. We have the gamma. 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 Gamma's coming through. Yeah. And, one of my agents is down in Mexico right now and sending videos back of this tropical storm. I, know, I saw and that, yeah. They, see some yeah, of the trees that, kind of blowing sideways, water coming yeah. in. It's one of those things where we have inclement weather like this and situations. Thank God it's not a full-blown hurricane or even worse at that point. But it just always reminds me that I like to let consumers know that when you book with a, a travel agent, the travel agent is with you for really for the whole trip. We know where you're at. We're worried about you. If there's an issue with, I'd say anything from political unrest to health to weather, travel agents really worried about you. We're going to make sure you get back. And the companies we deal with, especially, they're an extension of us in destination. And when I look back, it's one of my employees down there. I do have some clients down there as well. But the tour company knows where you're at. They're keeping us up to date that you're safe. They're staying in contact with you at the hotel and the resort. And if there's some emergency things need to be taken care of, they're going to let you know. So a lot of that is missed out on people. I think consumers yeah. don't necessarily realize that. I don't think that. so. Yeah. There, I mean, there's a lot of infrastructure behind the scenes that people don't even think about. And that's how it should be. You're on your vacation. You're trying to enjoy yourself. And to know that there's the infrastructure of your travel agent, there's a destination company that's paying attention to things like weather and other things. And if needed, that infrastructure kicks into action, right, on your behalf. And, you know, that's super important because you can travel with confidence. You can have some enjoyable vacation experiences without having to worry about some of those logistics that might occur. And you're right. I think generally people don't really think about it. 
but things are happening behind the scenes that, that they're not even aware of. Their travel agent might be checking the status. They might be looking at the status of their flights. They might be looking at what's happening at the resort, how people are being accommodated. Keep that in mind. It's always interesting when people are like, what's the value of a travel agent? And you state something like that. And to many consumers, they absorb it and they get it, but they don't feel there's a value to it. And yet they have the misconception that using a travel agent is more expensive than going direct or online or breaking it apart or doing every component individually. And no, you get this big old safety net when you book with a travel agent, yeah. uh, when you book with a good travel yeah, agent. Yeah, we I always mean, talk about that. No, no doubt about it. We always want to reinforce that, obviously. That's the key thing, not just because we are agents, but because... It's true. <laughs> it's true, and it's the best experience. I can guarantee you that. If you booked online or if you booked through some third-party company, their concern and their level of awareness and their person-to-person contact and care can never match a travel agent. I mean, it just can't. And that's just the way it is. So we got a weather report now on two Tom stock and travel. Yeah, we're going to start getting into weather reports. You know what? Other than it's raining and it's a stormy, I can't go into any more detail right. other than well, that. Well, usually hurricane season goes till about the end of October. And right. really in the big scheme of point. things. Talk, yeah. We talk a little bit about that. Yeah, really in the big scheme of things, it's been a relatively mild hurricane season. That's not to say a lot of people have been affected and all hurricanes are very damaging and you know cause a lot, a lot of problems. But so far, this season has been relatively mild. So with a few more weeks to go, let's cross our fingers on that. I mean, seriously, with 2020, anything could happen. Exactly. We should be, yeah, happy. We should. We should be we... happy with the hurricane status we have right now. But you said it. And just to kind of remind everybody is that rainy season starts August 1st and ends November 1st, per se. Obviously, it's Mother Nature. Anything can happen outside of those parameters. Here's a good example. You look at the weather forecast in Cancun today, and you're going to see rain and clouds. Okay. The next week, when the storm's all the way through it, you're always going to see rain and clouds on the forecast. But when you go to Mexico, that rain on your phone that you're seeing in the weather, it's like maximum you'll get an hour's worth of rain in 24 hour period. So, one of the things I want to remind people is, you know what, when you're getting ready for your vacation, September, October, November, and you see the rain icon on your weather application, don't worry about it. Don't, don't start stressing. Right. right. Get down there because you're going to find that you'll get a little rain at a certain point of the day, which for me is usually perfect because that's when I like the nap. It's a nap time. That's right. Exactly. Nap we time and destination. Well. Right. <laughs> I know are, the flow. Yeah. About four o'clock in the afternoon or so, the clouds start rolling in. Right. But it's, don't let that get ahead By the you. time you have your nap, take a shower, get ready for dinner and walk out to the restaurant. It has a few puddles, a little rain, but you know, then it's a beautiful night. So yeah, you're right. Exactly. Clients ask me that a question all the time. They're kind of lamenting the the weather. And I say, don't worry about it. When you get down there, yeah, it's going to rain, but not for long. And in some ways, it's a little bit of refresh, kind oh. of a refresher kind of gets... That's why, why do you think Mexico is so... Why do you think it's so green there? That's right. That's right. All the mangroves and all of the trees and, and flowers, it's green there because it rains from time to time. So and yeah. in a worst case scenario, if you book through a travel agent, they're going to offer you the cancel for any reason insurance, which in a situation where if you were heading down on maybe what they say today, Monday, maybe Saturday, and you knew this, this storm was coming through and you're like, you know what? I don't you cancel and you're yeah. going to get your money back. So right. it's very important to understand the different yeah. insurances that are offered exactly. nowadays. And, so, And there are some destinations that have kind of the rainy season, Costa Rica, for example, they kind of have a designated rainy season there. And we're always conscious of that. And by the way, did you see Costa Rica is going to be opening up? How many more states did they open up to? I think they're opening up to all. It's yeah. interesting to watch a country that's opening up state by state. To me, that right. was really one of the more yeah. unique things yeah, I've were, ever seen. I saw that. Yeah. So our buddy James Taylor is going to be happy. 
Uh, if you haven't been to Costa Rica, I think I've been there three times, four times, something like that. Awesome country. But they did take the incremental approach on the state-by-state basis. But I saw recently James put out that they're going to be opening and opening up to all U.S. states. It's so, a great destination. So, and yeah. I'm terrible. I've only been there once and I have not been able to get to the interior of it. I have yeah. not been to the volcano. I have not been it's you know, to San Jose. I just can't wait to get back. And there's so much fun stuff to do there. I mean, if you think you've been ziplining... As we they invented it, it right? <laughs> with, yeah, well, they call it canopy tour, right? But I mean, they have some amazing, amazing tours there, river rafting, the cloud forest stuff. So, so yeah, so Costa Rica is kind of transitioning a little bit from their weather conversation in the rain, but just give you guys an update on well, that. Well, since too. we're talking a little bit of updates and we were talking a little bit of insurance, you said you got an announcement for Jamaica. I did. I saw November 1st. Jamaica is going to be instituting the uh, in-destination insurance, the same as Dominican Republic. What does that mean? So they're kind of following along what Dominican Republic did. And that is the ability for you to have the peace of mind when you go to Jamaica that you'll be covered if there are COVID-related things that pop up. They have instituted an insurance program to protect the tourists as they come into Jamaica. Which is such a great thing. At first, I couldn't believe they were like Dominican was doing that. I'm thinking to myself, wow, that's a bold step. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. And... Then as the more I think about it, you know what it really is? It's basically them guaranteeing our destination, our country. We believe so much in it. We're going to invest X amount of dollars into every person that comes into our country because we feel that it's safe, it's wonderful, and that you should still completely have that experience. Yep. So I think that says a lot about a country. I got you. No, absolutely. So we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the safety precautions and some of the things after we talk with our guest today. We're changing it up this week, aren't we? Yeah, we're doing a little differently. Yeah. In the past, we've had some of our great vendor friends and suppliers and destination, but we got something special today, don't we? Yeah. For who's flying this plane, it's actually somebody that's really flying this plane. So today's guest we're bringing on so we can share a little bit of the true nature of flying. And today we have First Officer Scott, a pilot from a major airline who is going to be sharing his insight and his stories with us. So we're excited about that. We're changing up a little bit. and I think it's going to be a really good interview. Who is flying this plane? We'll be experiencing some All right. Well, we're very excited to have our guest, First Officer Scott, his first visit with us here on Two Toms Talk and Travel. Welcome, Scott. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, we we understand that you're a sought-after celebrity in the airline industry, and because of that, we just call you First Officer Scott. You know, it's going to be like Cher, Madonna, and First Officer Scott. It's your That's Twitter one handle word. now. It's your Twitter handle. That's right. So welcome. Thanks for joining Two Toms Talk and Travel. And in the past, we've always talked to, it seems like vendors or tour operators or somebody's always looking to sell something, Tom. I don't know about that. Today, we're just, we just want to have a conversation about what it's like to be a pilot. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, I am a little intimidated because your previous guests are all very well-polished, well-spoken, high-energy guests. And I don't think I fit into any of those categories. So I'm going to do my best today. Oh, you'll be fine. Are you going to use your pilot voice? No, I'm not. <laughs> the pilot voice, it's like, it's all the same, right? There's yeah. a little, like a little static sound. <sighs> yeah. And you can barely hear us no matter what. These airplanes are $100, $110 million a piece and they can't figure out how to make the uh, public. Yeah, and they, Everybody the has the same kind of cadence. Yeah. I love it. It's kind of comforting, right? Because you know what you're going to get from your pilot. So we're going to welcome you all aboard. <laughs> <laughs> so, Try to be as soothing as possible. Yeah, yeah. no, it's yeah. very soothing. That's Thank you awesome. for that. Oh, yeah, Thank sorry you for, for that. interrupting your, your big intro. Go ahead, Scott. Well, I was 
born and raised in Wisconsin. I thought this job would take me uh, all over the place, but all my jobs actually kept leading me right back to the Midwest. And since that's where my family's from, I've stayed here. I live in Kenosha, Wisconsin now. I was educated uh, here through high school. And then uh, when I decided I wanted to fly for a living, I went down to St. Louis and got a four-year degree. And with that, I got all my flight rating. And to become a pilot, you can either go through the civilian way, which I did, or military. Um, Since I didn't really have any mentors either direction, I chose a civilian route, got a four-year degree. I did some flight instructing. And basically, after getting my education to build time and experience to get to the airlines, I worked with students, taught them to fly, did some corporate flying. So I flew out of Milwaukee and flew all kinds of different, uh, either people that own their own airplanes, or I flew for some of the Milwaukee companies, banks, and senators around. And that was pretty cool. Uh, oh yeah, that'd be awesome. To me, that seems like a pretty yeah, slick gig. I would, I would, you know what? I guess that's because we're also used to clients and customers and passengers. That I mean, how cool was it? I mean, you're talking some pretty nice private jets, I'd imagine. Yeah, they were. The corporate flying is a lot different than the airline flying. It is, I think, a little more laid back. Where so you usually have two pilots, and we're in charge of everything. One pilot's filing a flight plan, the other one's getting a cooler beer and the catering for the customers. And we handle basically everything. A lot different than the airline flying. The people we fly with, it's interesting. So in corporate flying, it's all about the customer. So if you get a flight, of course, you're going through the flight details, but it's a lot to do with the customer. Okay, these are bankers. They have this catering request. You need to do this and that. And they have a lot of special needs that you have to as part of the job where as an airline pilot you're up front you close the door and it doesn't matter if it's the two times and back or <laughs> somebody a ceo of a company we treat everybody the same so the the way that job work was a little different i did enjoy the corporate flying, but i always did want to be an airline pilot how long did you do the corporate about three years total all right. So when the two Toms hits the national market and we end up, as we talk about making our shitload of money and we're going to be rich and whatnot, would you consider going back to flying our private plane? Yeah. The two Toms corporate jet. Yes. If it's a Gulfstream 5 or higher. So you're looking at about $100 million to get the airplane. What about a couple of propellers? $100 million. We're only $105 million away, Tom. Well... It's surprising. Aviation is very expensive. Airplanes are very expensive. It would surprise you if you gave me a million dollars said, Scott, go buy me an airplane. What I came back for a million dollars would be very disappointing. Wow. Yes. I'll That's bet. a great way to post yeah. that. <laughs> that wow. is. There's a lot of money involved. And, just, and not only that, if somebody handed me a corporate jet for free... I couldn't afford to maintain it. Just the engines and to fill it up. It's sort of mind-blowing how expensive it is. Fuel, yeah. No doubt. Did you ever meet a celebrity, a politician on one of those private jets or even a private business owner that just was such a prick (laughs) or something like that? I mean, just the personalities. I mean, is it everything? I, I guess that's the question. Is that really everything what I would think it would be? Well, there's a wide range. I thought flying corporate, it was, there is a story. I have, uh, there's a very high profile lawyer in the, let's just say, in the state of Wisconsin. He has okay. the, the commercials during the daytime when you're watching Jerry Springer. And Enough said I, was on that. Him, <laughs> I was flying him to the middle of 
Iowa, there was a big lawsuit. Unfortunately, somebody had lost their life in a car accident. This lawyer was going there, and there it was a very high-profile case. They were going out there. We were literally in the cornfields out there. We flew this jet into a very tiny runway. And when that lawyer was done, we were coming back to Milwaukee, and he said, what time are we going to be back in Milwaukee? And I said, uh, no later than 4.30. And he looked at me and said, do you know who I am? And I'm like, uh, yes. And he said, I need an exact time. And I said, okay, 4.30. So we landed in Milwaukee <laughs> at about 4.17. And I'm like, well, this isn't going to be good enough. So I taxied slow. I actually asked the ground controller to give us a longer <laughs> way back to the ramp. We got there right at 4.30, and I said with a smile on my face, 4.30, you know, welcome back to Milwaukee. So part of that job is to open the door and then actually walk him all the way out to his vehicle. And the funniest thing about it was his driver was not there. <laughs> he took his briefcase and threw it across the parking lot in F-bombs, profanity. <laughs> and I just said, have a good day. And I walked and I walked from the window and about 10 minutes later this driver shows up and he looks scared and for good reason oh this guy's God. yelling at him he hops in the car and they drive away so anyway that's a little bit of some corporate plot. Well, you They're did your job you did your job yeah, good you, for you you handed you, you handed off to somebody else wow no that's fantastic wow. well i can imagine that you've uh, experienced a lot and just so you know, I'm an ex-airline guy myself. I worked for America West back in the day for okay. about 12 years. So I have a lot of airline experience as well. I met a lot of great pilots there. We used to head up into the flight deck and hang out with them. Or at that back in those days, if uh, the plane was completely full and we needed a seat, they'd put us on the jump seat. So I got to kind of see how the operations went up there and really oh, experience great. what it's like, you know, what the pilots are yeah. doing. And America that was a nice airline. That was a good airline. Yeah, it was awesome. So, but yeah, what I experienced was that, and Tom and I talked about this at breakfast, is that obviously a very technical job, lots of understanding of technically how the plane flies and how to get from point A to point B. But I would say that 5% of the time, we talked about kind of weather and mechanical situations, you know, that's really where you guys get into action and really take care of business. And we very much appreciate that. I've been on flights coming into Milwaukee in the wintertime, seven, eight o'clock at night, where we've had to do go-arounds or you can just tell that the process of landing the plane is not as easy as it is most of the time. So what do you think from your standpoint, where are some of the toughest airports to land or take off that you've experienced? Well, we look at it two different ways, really, as a passenger compared to a pilot. So if you're going into LaGuardia or Chicago Midway, those are some of the smaller, shorter runways. But as a passenger, you're thinking, oh, I hope they do this correctly and we land in a safe distance. As a pilot, we're not thinking that. We don't get to show <laughs> off our skills very often. So instead of the last thing that we're worried about is actually doing it safely, that just comes with everything we've been trained to do. But we don't want to, you know, that really bad landing. What makes it harder at a place like that is not from a, just a safety standpoint, but to actually do a touchdown smoothly. So you don't want to have a great flight. You battle all this weather and then you plunk it down really, really hard. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, that was horrible. So when you say the most challenging ones, I would say they are the shorter runways just because as a pilot, you've got less time to make that smoother landing. So if I'm Atlanta and I've got 12,000 feet of runway and we come in, 
no matter what the weather conditions, I have time to basically crack the airplane where I can still get a smoother touchdown. Where you go into the LaGuardia's and Chicago Midways, I'm thinking Orange County is another one. The, the runway's less than a mile, which is pretty short. But again, not from a safety standpoint, but we're trying to basically put that nice, smooth touchdown and passengers equate that to a safe landing. But actually, according to Boeing, if you read a, a textbook, landing is moderately firm on the center line. They don't want you to be obviously hot dogging it in this house. We're not trying to do that anyway. But of course, we want to have that nice smooth touchdown. And again, as a pilot, you don't get to really show off your skills. We're doing a lot of different flying. As <laughs> I like that phrase, show off your skills. But yeah, oh yeah. So. Well, hey, in the back, we'd love it when you grease the landing now. Do you hear the applause up there? No, it, it's funny. You do hear that every once in a while, but it's funny is a lot of times we will make a really, really smooth landing. Like you do it so smooth. You don't even, there's like not even a transition. And a lot of times nobody says anything, but boy, when you make a bad landing, right. <laughs> 80% of the passengers will say, Oh, were you in the Navy? That was a carrier landing. You know? And uh, well, stuff like that. They'll comment on that more than the good landing. Uh, speaking of the comments on, I got to ask a question, Scott is, what are the most used movie lines you hear from people getting off the plane or as you're getting on the plane? I mean, are people ever quoting movies or making the same or what are they saying to you guys? Well, they do. I don't know if it's nervousness or not, but they do comment on like, oh, you haven't been drinking today. So not necessarily moving lines. <laughs> All right. No question either like, oh, good. They look old or oh, good. <laughs> yes. uh, they look like they're sober or stuff like that. And again, I don't know if it's because they're nervous, but those are the kind of comments you get all the time. Oh, yeah. No, I can see it. If my pilot has some gray hair, that's perfectly fine with me. <laughs> well, yeah. here's the thing. Scott's much younger than me, so there ain't no way I ever win that. I get out on the plane. I'm like, yeah, he looks like a kid. <laughs> no, I uh, yeah. can't win that one. So I've been... Uh, with five different airlines, I've been flying over 20 years. I've got like 15,000 hours of experience now. I've been doing this uh, a while and uh, I do love the job. I, it was um, oh, yeah, something I, I wanted to do at an early age and I'm really glad I, I did What it. kind of work schedule do you have? I mean, how's that determined? Well, it depends. So like early on in my career, you always have your jobs that you're building, like I said, building your time experience. So my first airline job, I physically don't think I could even do anymore. <laughs> That was five or six days a week. You were out there flying eight legs a day. It was in a little turboprop. We could only get to a certain altitude. So we were in the weather the whole time. And that was exhausting. But I was also 24 years old doing that. Fast forward to I'm 49 years old now. I have, I would say, a cushy schedule compared to that. But we do multiple day trips three and four day trips. And it's usually followed off by that same amount. So three or four days in a row that you're off. Keep in mind, when I do leave for a trip, I'm gone. So that's usually when a water heater breaks at the house. Or there's <laughs> exactly. A exactly. That my wife has got to dig out and the kids, she can't find the kids to help her out. Doing, you know, whatever. You got a good support system. Lucky you got a good support system. Yeah. Yep. And then a lot of good neighbors and stuff to help out too. But so like I said, with my work schedule, Typically, I do three-day trips. I leave sometime in the early afternoon, and I come back very late. We have AM and PM schedules. So I used to do AM schedules, and I couldn't do anymore because the alarm going off at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning got really old. And I don't necessarily like flying to 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, but I do better with that. So I currently do 
three-day trips, PMs, afternoon trips. So sometimes we don't get going to four or five o'clock in the afternoon, and we're the ones that fly you in from Vegas at midnight. So got it. It's funny when you go back to, you know, you couldn't do what you did when you were 24 years old in the job. I mean, I remember probably very similar to you. I mean, when I was 24 selling travel at the travel agency, going out every night till about one or two in the morning and rolling into the travel agency in the morning. And God, it's yeah. amazing. I got people on the right flights the next day. Let me tell you. So, yeah. <laughs> and I would not want to do it again. It's what's made us who we are. And you in the airline business, Tom, as well at that point. I mean, yeah, absolutely. No, it's good people. You know, it's a great, I miss my airline days. You get you know, a lot of great people you work with. You know, a lot of times you fly with maybe the same flight crews and kind of get to know each other. And it's definitely a team effort up there. So very interesting. Yeah. Just to kind of digress a little bit. So celebrities, have you ever had any major celebrities, national celebrities, maybe not as much as the regional one? We get a lot of athletes on board. As far as my celebrity list, I've had James Fonda on board. Ooh. I had... Mitt Romney, after he lost the election, like two weeks later, was traveling by himself. He looked like your normal business person has three cases, nobody with wow. him. Of course, one of my favorites, Paulie Shore from the MTV days. <laughs> oh, that's, that's seriously D-list right there. Yeah, yeah that, that is. But for some reason, I, there's my cat going back. So anyway... Yeah, I've had, again, a lot of athletes. Kurt Warner, I've had a bunch of NFL players. Oh, that's cool. Do they have like a special boarding process for them? I mean, I've done, I'm going to break the news right now for everybody because I don't think I've ever said this publicly, but it's about nine years ago, Labakia Travel, we handled all the travel for the Kardashians to go to Dominican Republic. We took care of the whole slew of 52 people to go make them look good. We handled all, and man, I will tell you, it was crazy, crazy what we had to do behind the scenes at the airports to get Bruce and what's the Mrs. Jenner's name, or, you know, we had to get them over one room. Then we got Chloe, and it just was insane. So I'm wondering on the receiving end, when you're getting everybody coming in, what goes on? To tell you the truth, when we have somebody like that, the only reason I normally know is because a flight attendant called up and said, we have so-and-so on board. So when we have these, the, all the people that I mentioned, they were like incognito. Jane Fonda had a hat pushed down low. She dressed like she didn't have anything to her name. <laughs> she didn't know. <laughs> low profile. Yeah, very low profile. The sports stars, you can tell only because they're abnormally large. Like if a person is six foot eight and they weigh 320, they sort of just stick out. Oh, so yeah. then somebody will say, oh, by the way, who are you? And oh, so-and-so from the Steelers is on board, something like that. But everybody else, we do not have special boarding for them. Okay. Uh, the okay. Kardashians, that's totally separate because they want that, not publicity, but they want that spectacle. Anybody who's flying on our airline is basically trying to stay under the radar and maybe they didn't even want us to know that they're flying commercial. You know what I mean? Right. Well, speaking of radar, I have a question. Yeah. I need to know how many thousand feet up does it become a mile? 5,260. So 5,260. So Tom, the Mile High Club starts right oh there. Tom and I were having that conversation <laughs> at breakfast this morning. Obviously. Yeah. See where our brains went right away. That's how yeah. it starts yeah. in the morning. I mean, well, that's just how we, uh, that's how we are. We cruise between 35 and 40,000 feet normally. So we're way above a mile. All right. So basically, Mile High Club starts when the seatbelt light is still yeah, on. That right? seems, yeah, it's that correct. seems a little yeah. dangerous to me. Not even safe to 
get up till uh, 10,000 feet, that's when you yeah. hear that little ding, the first ding. Yeah. That's when you can get your computers going. That's when the flight attendants make their first announcement. Below there is what they call a sterile cockpit. So in the cockpit, we're not allowed to do anything besides the as far as what we're talking about. And the flight attendants are not allowed to do any of their duties till 10,000 feet. Yeah. So that's when you hear that first yeah. ding on any airline. The first, and it makes me nuts as a passenger. It makes me nuts when people don't pay attention to that stuff. When they, like, they're getting up or they're going to go to the bathroom or they're getting in the overhead bins and like the plane's taking off or the plane's yeah. on final approach. I'm like, what are you doing? Exactly. That drives me insane when I'm like, really? But that's one of my flight pet peeves. Right What's there. your biggest pet peeve, Scott? That is one of them. So if we are, Let's say we land and we're going to wait out for the gate, okay? And so the minute you even say anything on there, a lot of people take that as, oh, I'm going to get up and go to the bathroom. So let's say we land and we're going to try to get into the gate, but you got to remember, we're still moving. So anytime the airplane's moving, we cannot have passengers up out of their seat. Right. So inevitably what happens is we look at each other like, I'm going to make an announcement, and the minute I say anything, it could be anything, and I'll start saying, please remain seated with your seatbelt securely fastened. Oh, by the way, welcome to New York. It, all of a sudden, we get a ding, and the ding means the flight attendants call and say, somebody's up. So, right. And what you're trying to say is, hey, we're going to still move this airplane, and if everybody gets up, you're in a place like LaGuardia. They're like typical New Yorkers that not only the people, but the air traffic controllers are like, hey, buddy, you just lost your line. You're sitting there and they'll punish you. And like, I really wish somebody would not get up. And I understand sometimes if the flight was bumpy and we had the seatbelt sign on for a very long time and they didn't get a chance to go to the bathroom, I actually understand that but we're still trying to move the airplane. We do our best. And if somebody gets up, we just stop. Yeah, I think it's just great examples of that. But I think generally just the people are just anxious and they want to get up. And I travel a lot, Tom does too. And just to see the the reaction, it's like the... The lack of wherewithal that you're on a plane. Yeah. I mean, seriously, that there it's are protocols and things you need to follow just blows my mind. Yeah, so let's yeah. keep that in mind out there. Yeah, and quit, you know, don't Tom's bring people. the pastrami sandwich with extra grilled onions on it <laughs> oh wrapped up to that sit next to me. That peeve. drives me nuts. That is a great pet peeve. Oh, yeah, no, that is yeah. insane. I can almost live with bare feet next to me more than I can with a nasty sandwich or right. something or yeah. a Greek salad or whatever next to me being eaten. Yeah. I'll put up with feet, but yeah, the food <laughs> blows my mind. Yeah, that but is, we have, that's crazy. Even in the cockpit, we have that too. I used to fly years ago. I flew with this guy and let's just say he was a healthy eater, but he had the most exotic food I've ever seen in my life. I don't even know where he got the stuff, but it included cans of sardines. And <laughs> oh, he's Greek. Oh, oh my God. God. He That's weird. I don't know where he stopped, but he had nuts and fruit that I've never seen before. Octopus, and sure enough, snails. Into it. It's six o'clock in the morning. He's he's unscrewing this can of sardines and the fish smells in your. I'm like, really? He's I feel better about that because I thought you were going to tell me he was flying barefoot. <laughs> no, no. Well, Scott, it sounds like you have seen it all. You know what? I, I think we're going to need first officer Scott might have to be a reoccurring guest on yeah, the two no times truck and travel because today's show, I mean, literally blew by with you, Scott. We, yeah. we appreciate all the insight and it's great having you. And I think anybody with the character name, first officer Scott really needs to be a reoccurring guest. So don't be yeah. surprised when you get that text from me saying, Hey, we need you again. Right. And also too, 
we have a lot of travelers and we really depend on you guys up there and you you do a fantastic job. So we want to thank you for that, keeping everybody safe and no small responsibility flying a plane. So very much appreciate your talent and uh, getting all of our people to their destination safely. Yes. So Scott, well, thanks for joining us and we look forward to the next time. And in the meantime, be safe. Well, yeah, again, thanks for having me. I do want to compliment your show. I listened to all the episodes of Two Times Talking Travel so far. And I got to say, I learned a lot. So if people as a pilot assume that I know what I'm talking about as far as restrictions that have been lifted because of COVID. And I really have learned a lot listening to your show. I thought I had a handle on it until I heard um, some of the news that you had coming out of your podcast. I really enjoy it and I'll continue to listen. All right. Great. Thank you so much, Scott. Be good, Scott. Thanks. Take care. Well, all right. Hey, that was really good. That's that was pretty good. Yeah, getting it? some insights from Scott. And like I said, you know what? You got to give him credit, man. The guys up there fine. They're sort of like anonymous, unsung. You know, they're there and they take on a lot of responsibility, get people from point A to point his, B. And his they closing statement I thought was kind of interesting too. He goes, he learned a lot from the two times talking travel, which that was yeah. cool. But the point he made is he's like, everybody's always asking me about other airlines, baggage policies or what's going on. He's like, I don't know. He goes, I'm a pilot. I fly a plane. Yeah. That's, and people tie him into the travel industry like he would know everything yes, like that. Absolutely. And it was just really kind of an eye opener for me as well. Yeah, he's got to focus on his job. So. And we're fine with that. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Yeah, no, that is. That's fantastic. So, speaking of focusing on the airline jobs, as we wrap down today's segment and show, I mean, we got to keep a close eye on the airlines in the next month or so. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely been watching that. They're really hurting from a financial standpoint. And, you know, there's a lot of layoffs that are out there kind of pending. So, Obviously, we need those people. We need those jobs. So we're hoping that we can get some relief and some that along with just increased travel in revenue for these guys. You really can't understate what the airlines bring. You know, there's a lot of small cities, a lot of small towns that have airline service that really, really depend on it. So we're really watching that, keeping an eye on that, wishing the best that we can get that side of things handled because we don't want to see people lose their jobs. We don't want to see flights taken down because that impacts us as agents, obviously. You know, if you have somebody that needs to fly out of Madison or needs to fly out of a smaller market, we really depend on those flights. So that's a key. And it's a shame because if the government can't come in and bail out and the airlines can't come up with a realistic, and I mean, again, I don't want to just throw money at something by no means. I don't want the government just to get, I mean, but it's such an important entity that we do need to take a look at it. But how that affects our customers and our travelers is one, more expensive flights, plain and simple. Number two, less nonstop flights. I mean, we're lucky to be in Milwaukee and Chicago market where there's plenty of nonstops to pretty much the world, right? right. But start thinking about that. Ugly like, connections. Ugly connections. The delay. I mean, we're spoiled. So, I mean, I know, yeah, if you got to connect, you got to connect. That's right, but such as life. you just don't want life. it to be four hours and 20 right. minutes. And, and in reality, you're going to probably pay a little bit more money. And it's one of those things that I've been doing. I've been selling airline tickets since 1984. And one of the things I can honestly tell you is when you see the news and people come up and say, oh, no, airfares are going up. And everybody, it causes a little bit of pandemonium, a little craziness and whatnot. But in reality, it's a matter of 75 to $125 max. I mean, it really is not, I don't want people to get so freaked out out there that they're going to outprice themselves from a vacation. But the reality is that it could be $75, $100 more. That's what you're looking at paying. But then next year, the following year, it's back down to 20, back down right. 50. It's an up and down thing. So it's one of those things where we're really lucky that where the airlines have gotten to right now is allowed more people to be able to travel because it has become more economical. Yeah. And they're doing a lot too from the COVID standpoint, as we always talk about, and Scott mentioned it too, is that the airlines see the need 
They see the need to have a safe experience. They see the need to give people confidence. So we've seen some airlines come up with, and some airports come up with rapid testing, game plans, as we talked about in some previous episodes, leaving middle seats empty and really watching occupancies. But I think the next wave is going to be really getting a situation where there's a testing protocol so that they can increase the safety An economical testing protocol. That's it right now. The initial one out of the gate is fairly expensive. I think they're, you know, United was talking $250 for the San Francisco to Hawaii test that they're offering. So, I mean, it it needs to come down a little. So now all of a sudden, what I said about the pricing being a little bit up and down is only a hundred, hundred bucks difference. Then you add 250 on it. Then that makes me a liar. Like you said, I think that'll come down. And I think hopefully we'll see some other rapid testing products that people can utilize just for their own peace of mind. You know, they're getting ready to go on a trip and they can make sure that they have a negative test to make sure that they can take their vacation and yeah. be chill about it. Well, there's that. a lot for us to keep an eye on. And as always, with the two Toms talking travel, you can count on us to make sure we're we're addressing it, talking about it, getting yep, it out there, absolutely. learning about it and trying to pass that or play it forward to all our clients and customers. So great show. Great number yeah. seven. Great number seven. Great number, lucky Always number seven. Always a pleasure. Yeah. And uh, we'll stay on it. Yeah, we're going to uh, have to look at the schedule coming up. We got some other great ideas that we got cooking. That we want you know, to always want to mix it up. It was great mixing it up it today, bringing it on First Officer Scott. It, it was, was fantastic. And uh, I guess what I can say as we end today's show is I want to thank all those that work for the airlines, the pilots, the yes. attendants, air traffic controllers, everybody right, that's tied the in. The guys on the ramp, ramp. absolutely. Yeah. Everybody. I want to, yeah. you know what? Those guys, everybody gets overlooked. So from the two Toms Talk and Travel today, we want to give a shout out and pay some respect to all those that make us safe traveling from different points in the country and different points in the world. So having said that, I'm Tom Carnes from Lamakia Travel. And I'm Tom Russo, Sensational Beach Vacations. And we shall see you on episode number eight. Be good. <laughs> <laughs>